Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it, and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the kings said to the attendants, Bite him hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Friend, how did you get in here? Without a wedding robe. There's the threat, isn't there, in the word friend. Years ago I was working in Canberra and uh, Graham Richardson was a minister in the Keating government. And uh, those of you who remember him was a large man. He came up to me once and he said, Mate, we'll sort it out. Now if anybody from the New South Wales right of the Labour Party calls you mate... All the blood drains from your face. The minister I most worked with uh, was Peter Baldwin, who was Minister for Employment. And Peter Baldwin had the scars on his face of a bashing he received when he was in New South, New South Wales politics, not federal politics. And the rumour has always been that it was the right of the New South Wales Labour Party, Baldwin was on the left, that ordered the bashing, and the person who ordered it was Graham Richardson. When anybody from the right calls you mate, when a king calls you friend, it's a threat. Real power does not need to be overtly threatening. If you ever watch kind of gangster movies, the real gangster you've got to worry about is the one who talks quietly, politely, peacefully. They're the ones with the real threat, aren't they? Friend is a threat. The real bully at school... Nobody even noticed, unless you were the one being bullied. 
friend of mine told me that in the Philippines during, the, um, uh, during martial law under the Marcoses, people uh, who were protesting martial law were sent invitations, literal invitations to military camps. Nobody needs to do anything other than just smile politely because you know where the power is. This story is dripping with violence and the threat of it. And not only the threat of it, but the carrying out of it, the wiping out of an entire city. Any attempt to make this story about how God works in the world, i.e. God is the king, falls pretty flat, pretty quickly. If God is a king who's enraged and his rage ends up in the slaughter of people, do we need to go any further? And then it ends with this strange verse which doesn't appear to have anything to do with the rest of the story. For many are called, but few are chosen. It seems like it's tacked on to the end. It reminds us of those horrible times in school. You may not have had this. I hated sport and was very bad at it. I don't know which one of those came first. But uh, when they lined us up and the best kid at whatever game we were supposed to play got to pick teams and the numbers of people being picked got reduced and reduced till just the dregs, the useless ones were left. Did that ever happen to you? God, whose idea was that? No wonder school is such a horrible place to be after time. That was my experience. Everyone is called, line up. Not many of us get chosen. It's a kind of a, a threat in this as well. This is the way the system is. We're all called. We're all Melbournians now, according to the Prime Minister. We've got your back, said the Treasurer last week. My fellow Australians, Bob Hawke used to say. Men and women of Australia, John Howard used to say. We've got all the right language, everybody. But our actions, less so. You may be a great fan of the budget that's just been passed down, but we reduced the income of people at the lowest end of our, co- of our community. Our actions tell us what we're doing, not our words. Friend, where's your wedding dress? Where's your uniform? What we say and what we do, not the same thing. And our budget shows that, I think, in a, in, in a very clear way. For a particular view of the world, it's business as usual. We could bring nearly half a million people out of poverty. How do I know that? Because we did it four months ago. We did it. We, with a stroke of a pen, because of another stroke of a pen, by a government who decided we needed to close down the economy, for our health and safety reasons, and I doubt whether any, well, there are some commentators who argue with it, but most of us wouldn't. But at the stroke of a pen, we brought half, nearly half a million people out of poverty. We can do it, but we chose not to. We have your back. We're all Melbournians now. Men and women of Australia, etc., etc. What if Jesus is the one who is threatened in this story? What if he's the one who turns up without the uniform on, who turns out to be speechless? Surely Matthew's community, who are reading all this, would remember the story because Matthew tells it later in his gospel. 
That when Jesus was in front of the authorities, he didn't say anything. When Pilate tried to quiz Jesus as to who he was and why he was there and why the the temple authorities wanted him put to death, Jesus said nothing. And when he went to the high priest, the high priest said, tell us who you are, essentially asking him, are you the Messiah? Jesus said in, in plain English, you're telling the story, you tell me. It's as if Jesus is completely not acknowledging the power that these people have of life and death over him and everyone else. It's as if he's ignoring that because he's engaged in a completely other world in a different set of power dynamics. And I reckon the first hearers of this story, not I reckon, I'm certain, would have made the connection to another story that that was well known to them out of the book of Daniel, part of the Hebrew scriptures, that the men and maybe the women who were there, but certainly the men would have studied this over and over again. They knew this story. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These three men were prominent Jews in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. He, as most tyrants do, eventually got to the point of deciding, as the Roman emperor had done a hundred years before Jesus, that it turns out not only am I an exemplary person, but I'm actually kind of more than an exemplary person. I'm, I'm like, I'm like a god. In fact, I'm probably like a son of God. I'm like the God. I'm like the God of everything. Nebuchadnezzar decided to build an enormous statue and he said, what I want you to do is every time you hear the trumpet, bow down to the statue. Sounds smart because if you don't, etc., 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 we all know what happens. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego decided they wouldn't. They stood up. You can imagine this scene. All these people bowing to the ground and these three lonely characters standing up. You can't tell me that the people who heard Jesus tell this parable, who so knew these stories so well, weren't thinking of this parable, of of this story. They wouldn't bow down. And the rest of the story goes, he throws them into the furnace. He burns them to death. That's standard king practice. Except they don't. They don't die. That's the miraculous uh, almost mystical experience in the story the story of Daniel is that, the, the, that God protects them and the fire doesn't burn them but here's Jesus being this person in the story in my view and he calls us to be the same way to stand up against over and against we need to be thinking outside of the system all the time Now, the, the budget is a very good example only because we've just had it this week um, it's a very good example. You may be in favour of many of the uh, of the elements in the budget, and there were some really good initiatives, some small ones that, that didn't get sort of announced at the beginning. You may consider that tax cuts are a really good idea. But our job as the faithful people who follow God is is to accept, yes, there are some good things, but we always have to speak up for all of us. The system isn't always bad. I'm sure Jesus would have thought the same thing. If you're a fan of Monty Python, the question, what have the Romans ever done for us? Um, And if you don't know what I'm referring to, I'm not going to go into it. It's a great film, one of the great classics of 20th century uh, movie making. It's called The Life of Brian. You should watch it. 
And of course the Romans have done all sorts of wonderful things. But the question is not all the good things they've done, where is it missing out? Who are we called to speak up for? Who are we called to be alongside of? So we really are all Melbournians now. We really do have each other's backs because we don't at this moment. There were specific groups of people left out of the budget for specific reasons that, that the government didn't go into but you may speculate about. And our job is not to criticise the government for being the government but to constantly say this is our call. This is what we're called to do. This is what Jesus is saying. You stand up and you step in a sense outside of the system and say what do we really need and how do we do that for all of us? Because as far as Jesus is concerned, and as far as we see all the way through the Gospels, everyone is called and everyone is chosen. Jesus says in John's Gospel, when this all comes to a conclusion, he says when I'm lifted up, but essentially when all this comes to a conclusion, I am going to draw everyone to me. Not the people who voted for me. Not the people who I think are worthy. Not the people who are on our side rather than this. Everyone. That's the world in which Jesus lives. That's the world in which he calls everyone into being. So if he's the person standing alone without the uniform in this, in this uh, wedding feast, which, let's be honest, no one is there out of choice. The invite is like the same as the invite in the Philippines. If you don't go, we know what happens. See that smouldering ruin over there? That's what happens if you say no. So everyone, of course, says, yes, I'd love to come. Except one stands up, there in the middle of it all, but living in a different world, obeying a different authority, living under a different regime. Uh, let me stop. But I just, this quote, last week um, in a review of his new book, uh, there was this quote from Robert Desai, who's one of our great writers. He's now 76. He's, he's, he says his face looks like a crumpled up piece of brown paper, and it pretty much does. It's very cool if you've seen photographs of Robert Desai. He was uh, a, an announcer on Radio National for many years. He's, calling, he's writing a book about old age, and he says this. Towards the end of your run, if you've got your wits about you, you may well become impatient with the conventions you grew up with. Excuse me. Or quite a few of them, at least. And start shucking them off. You'll know a freedom, if you're growing old well, of a kind you've never enjoyed before in your life. Shucking off the conventions. Living a different way. I think that kind of gets a little bit to the way Jesus was talking. Yeah.